Hello and welcome to this End of Life episode 42. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. Of course, before I get started with today's show, I want to thank my sponsors, BU Period Patches. BU Period Patches uses science and nature to create these incredible patches that help reduce your pain. The way it works is through using eucalyptus and menthol oils um, that are scientifically proven to act as muscle relaxants and anti-inflammatory and have anti-inflammatory properties. Together, they're reducing the inflammation in the area, which reduces the pain and also reduces the cramping, which also reduces the pain. You know, it's not just science that's saying that this works. People are saying it works as well. The endometriosis community is really loving BU period patches and I just think it's remarkable that they are you know so simple they just stick on like a plaster they're not messy you can carry them around in your bag they're not heavy they go underneath your clothes really easily that you just put them on and you forget about them um they're really comfortable to wear whilst you're asleep yeah they're just really easy and such a simple concept and yet they're so effective so yeah, I love them and they are an essential part of my period kind of go-to period toolkit. If you want to try them as well, they're $6.99 for a pack of five or $4.99 if you opt for a subscription. To shop, just head to the link in my show notes and start soothing period cramps a natural way. This show is also supported by Honor. You might remember Eleanor was on the show just a few weeks back talking about her experience of vaginismus and painful sex and how she went through a very long process to heal that pain and went on to start Honor, which is a pleasure and sensuality brand, helping us to explore eroticism and self-care through body connection. Honor creates these beautiful gemstone pleasure toys and um, massage tools. Um, I've got the curve and I've talked to you about a little bit about that. I thought you might be interested in the point. The point is um, the main purpose of this massage toy um, is to release trigger points and deep tissue tension throughout the body. So you don't just have to um, use it on the tension within your yoni. It could be like tension in your back. So it's about releasing muscle tension and opening the body up through relaxing. Um, So weekly deep tissue massage, whether you're going to do that alone or with a partner, is a really beautiful self-care practice. And will help you to connect back with your body and connect back with pleasure, but also release the stress and the pain and the tension that's going on in your body. You might remember my interview with Heba uh, Shahid from The Pelvic Expert, and she was talking about how many of us have really tight pelvic floors due to the muscle tension um, from the pain. So using something like the point or um, the curve is going to really help us to relax the body um not just the you know the vagina but the whole body to make sex a more pleasurable experience overall if we're tense in our body throughout our body and in our mind that's also going to affect how we um experience pain that's scientifically proven if we're feeling uncomfortable if we're feeling unsafe our brain will respond to pain in a much more heightened way than if we're relaxed you know these tools aren't just about self-pleasure like alone but actually de-armoring our body taking some of those walls down allowing ourselves to like soften and open up again and begin to reconnect with that side of ourselves so if you're interested in trying um one of these toys or massage tools you can get 10 percent off off 10 percent off with the discount code endo e-n-d-o capitals all caps um and the they ship worldwide and offer discreet um, and beautiful packaging. Let me know if you try them and how you get on. So this episode comes with a trigger warning. Um, so do feel free to skip this one. This conversation includes um, conversations around sexual trauma. So yeah, if you are particularly sensitive to that subject, then um, this might not be not be the one for you. It could be helpful, but equally it might be triggering. So today's episode is a big one. I'm talking with Maggie Flood, founder of Sacral Spaces and holistic medical practitioner who specializes in sexological bodywork, acupuncture and Chinese medicine. Maggie's work with women is not only unique, but it's so fascinating. I haven't come across anyone who does the work that she does. 
Maggie has developed her own technique, combining embodied pelvic care, acupuncture and herbal medicine to help people who are suffering with endometriosis, chronic pelvic inflammation, painful sex, scar tissue, sexual trauma, um, issues with arousal and so much more. Um, And yeah, it's completely her own approach that she's developed over time from her own experiences and working with others. Maggie's personal experience of rape and being diagnosed with endometriosis led her down a path of healing, which finally inspired her to begin working with those who have experienced similar conditions and um, similar emotional pain. In today's episode, we talk about Maggie's own healing journey and what that looked like uh, and what that taught her. The link between trauma and endometriosis, which I know a lot of you are interested in, acupuncture for endometriosis, how sexological body work and pelvic embodiment can lessen scar tissue and pelvic pain. And finally, the, I don't know what the word will be, the, the concept of collective sexual trauma memories, which I was particularly interested in, my, in myself and I think could explain a lot for a lot of us um, when it comes to our, our sexual issues and some of the discomfort that we have around sex. So this is a really interesting um, episode because I haven't had anyone talking about acupuncture yet and I really wanted to and I haven't really had anyone deep diving into sexual trauma and I've really wanted to because they're both related to endometriosis in one way or another and they're not covered that much. So yeah, I was so glad to have Maggie on and to talk about both subjects and yeah, I mean there's so much more we could go into on this subject but hopefully I can get Maggie on for future episodes but I think you're going to get a lot out of this and find her approach completely fascinating. So yeah, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. I know that you have been diagnosed with endometriosis and you've been dealing with that for um, several years. So I wondered if you could start with your own experience of endometriosis and uh, the healing journey that you've been on with that so far. Sure. Um, Well, so I wouldn't say I got lucky, but I got lucky in a way. Um, My endometriosis, I I had painful periods when I was much younger, um, you know, around 14, 15 years old. Uh, They were very heavy and painful. And um, that was a thing that I was just, you know, thought that was normal that I was dealing with. And then uh, everything kind of seemed to calm down. I went on the pill And, um, I was on it for about 10 years in 2010. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me backtrack. In, uh, 2007, I was raped and my pain started right immediately after that. I had, I was diagnosed with pelvic inflammatory disease. I, um, I got to a point where in 2009, so it had been two years, um, being in pain, I couldn't walk very well. I was having trouble walking. I was living in New York city. And so, I was walking to the subway a lot and I noticed one day and I walked to the subway that I was limping and um, I took myself to a pelvic pain specialist who ended up being really great. Um, And of course, this was in 2010 at this time um, that I ended up getting a laparoscopy. Um, However, I didn't get much support after that. Um, I had the diagnosis of endo and after that they were told I was told that I should go on hormones. Um, luckily my intuition told me that that wasn't right for me. Um, and what happened right before my laparoscopy, I went to a pelvic floor PT, um, and I felt as though my visits with her were rather clinical and uncomfortable as a lot of people tend to feel when they're being poked and prodded and they're in pain. But I, um, I had this one moment where I was with her and she poked at something that was very sore and it the pain rushed up to my throat and got caught in my throat like a lump and I started to cry. And I wasn't crying out of pain, I was crying out of emotion. And I was releasing all of these um, fears and thoughts and memories that I'd had since I was a young girl. And it happened very quickly. I had visions with it. It was very intense for me. And um, I asked her about it later and she said she didn't know, you know, sometimes these things happen. I don't know. And so I took that with me, um, you know, on my journey through life and the next few years and kept thinking about it, you know, because I was, I started to uh, do my own natural healing process. I started acupuncture school. Um, I became an herbalist and an acupuncturist. And throughout those years, I remember thinking, 
so many times about that moment and how can I help people? Because, you know, eventually I wanted to work with people with endo and how can I help people with that release? How can I facilitate that for people? Um, and so eventually I made my way into finding, you know, my own route to helping women do that. And so that's what I've been working on now. Um, but that was how I ended up, you know, realizing that the connection for me between endometriosis and pain and, you know, my life was really a matter of uh, trauma. Um, because I think that perhaps I always had endometriosis or some sort of inflammatory issue, but what really brought it to a head was having this trauma happen to me and um, literally freezing my body, you know, and giving me this, uh, this stuckness that I needed to cycle through. And so that's how I ended up where I am now and working with people the way that I am now in uh, so many different ways that I do. It's really interesting that you say that you think the trauma was what, um, kind of released the symptoms of endometriosis, you know, so you experienced them because, uh, I went to a research conference hosted by Endometriosis UK uh, two months ago, I think, maybe actually longer than that. Um, and they had a researcher who was doing studies of pain on the brain. And what they had found is, um, now I'm not quoting this correctly and I can't remember, can't remember it completely clearly, but, um, brain scans were showing that people could have zero symptoms of endometriosis or chronic pain. And then they have a trauma, could be car accident, could be rape, or it could be literally like a fall. You know, they've just fallen over whilst skiing. And that changes the way the brain receives pain signals. Um, and then that triggers, yeah, the symptoms. And I had a car accident when I was 17 where I kind of broke every everything in my pelvic area. And... um that I didn't have any pain before that. And my period pain started um, probably a year and a half after the accident. It could have, like, pain could have been there during that recovery time. But I mean, when you've got a broken spine, you're kind of, you're feeling that everything, all the pain you're thinking is coming from that. So I don't know if it started earlier, but um definitely within a year and a half to two years the pain started and I had zero pain with my periods beforehand nothing at all really so yeah really really interesting so I guess so now I mean you do so much you're <laughs> on, on your website uh you describe it as a holistic medical practitioner but I mean could you explain the kind of various methods that you have of working with um, people with endometriosis. I mean, two things that I took note of was you have something called embodied pelvic reintegration, um, and that that can help people with endometriosis, but then you also have acupuncture and Chinese medicine. Um, so yeah, you've just got very specific approaches. If you could take us through those, um, that would, yeah, that would be amazing. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I went to school to become an acupuncturist first. Um, and I, with acupuncture, we treat endometriosis a lot, um, typically with cold, damp blood pattern diagnosis. So what that means is that um, something that's cold congeals in the body, dampness congeals in the body, um, blood stasis, all these things are these, uh, these uh, Chinese medical uh, perspectives of what happens in the body with endo. So those are typical diagnoses. And so the way that I work with those, um, very, very, a little bit different. Um, I kind of consider a lot of emotional, um, emotional issues or emotional, uh, traumas to become cold in the body. And so I work a lot with, uh, releasing cold physically in the body as an acupuncturist. And so I have a few different ways that I do that. But then I'm also uh, sustaining wellness in the body with herbal medicine. Um, so that's another thing that I do. But I've also, um, I became a sexological body worker because I felt that there had to be more. Um, and especially with women with endo, I find that entering the body 
with acupuncture needles or, you know, with herbs when the body is not ready for it is a a bit of an issue um, because healing can't happen until we've fully integrated it. And so I kind of created my own approach to this and that I use all of my tools to, to help women connect the brain with the pelvic floor. So the pelvic reintegration is basically it's sexological body work. Um, and it's very similar to yoni mapping. Okay. Um, but while I'm doing it, I'm assisting people to be embodied. So it's like embodiment coaching. Um, and if anything comes up emotionally for them, uh, we kind of, you know, go through it a little bit in the body. So every time something emotional comes up, we, we look towards pleasure. We look towards, um, you know, where it is sitting in the body in order to kind of process it and release it. Um, because I've noticed that a lot of people with endo are dealing with emotional trauma or physical trauma that they've stored in the body that they need to release before they can start to heal. Because it's not as much as it is about environmental factors and, um, you know, fake hormones and all these things floating around and in our life, it, it is also a significant amount of, uh, emotional trauma, if it wasn't something that happened before, then it's something that's happening now. Because when you have endometriosis, you start to dissociate a bit from your pelvic floor. Absolutely. Yeah. All of, right. And all of the pain that you're feeling, um, you can start to, you know, feel angry and put anger into your body. You start to feel, um, you know, not listened to, unheard. And those things can cause, you know, women to feel as though that their body is the, the, their enemy. And what, what I'm trying to do is um, help the brain to recognize that touch is okay, that pleasure is okay, that the pain is there for a reason and to listen to it. And so I utilize that in my approach as well. And so when I do take on an endo patient, that's a big part of it for me. Yeah. I don't think we're doing, I don't think there's like a crossover that much between uh, their kind of energy work, the, the emotional side and the physical side. And they're not two separate, they're not two separate beings. I think we often forget that our, you know, our brain lives inside our body. So, and we experience our, we experience our feelings on a physical level. If we're nervous, we experience those feelings on a physical level. So it makes sense to me that our experience and our memories that are stored up in our brain are also, you know, are, are impacting on the rest of our body. And I I think it's quite, it's it's a shame that we're not acknowledging that yet. Um, but obviously, luckily, we have people like you who are beginning to do this work. Right. Well, it's it's not as uh, well received as you might think. I think a lot of the problem is that, um, you know, doctors will say, you know, well, it's in your head, all the pain is in your head. So a lot of women with endo are, or P, I should say people with endo, because there are trans men dealing, trans women dealing with uh, endometriosis as well. Um, I think that a lot of uh, people here, it must be in your head, it's all in your head. And, and this is where we start the disconnect is because um, what we do have to explore is the fact that emotional trauma can cause physical pain. And, um, you know, that disconnection does happen. And it's okay to recognize that. And it's not to say that you have created this in your head and you're lying. It's to say that you have it in your body. Yeah, you're is telling you something. And if you can slow down and listen to it, it's okay to, you know, connect your head to your body and to understand that both of those things have a voice and, you know, they can work together and not separately. You don't have to be fighting your body. Yeah. I had, uh, Aubrey, uh, from piece of endo on a little while ago. I'm not sure if you heard the episode, but, um, she's just written a book called the energetics of endo and how she talks about how a lot of her work is around uh, chakra blocks and energy blocks, um, her current work anyway. And one of the questions that I said to her is, you know, how do you, how do you communicate your message and talk about healing on an energetic level without, without people interpreting that as blame saying, Oh, I did this to myself because I didn't deal with this kind of trauma. And now I've got a block and now I've got endometriosis. I think there's, there's that, 
very difficult line of trying to say this you know this this isn't your fault but the maybe the trauma is making the experience of it worse for you not that you have you've done something for it to have happened in the first place if that makes sense right well yeah and that is really difficult to navigate because um uh, people you know we dig ourselves okay so when we're in a dissociative uh state with our bodies you know we're not we're not connected. We're not feeling embodied. We're, we're wanting to run away from ourselves. And, you know, we, we climb into these little holes where, you know, victimization can take place so easily and take hold so easily. Um, and so it is a very delicate approach and it's a very delicate topic because I think that a lot of people feel victimized by the outside forces of their lives and also by their own bodies. And, and this is uh, something that I think it would be beneficial for all of us to wake up and realize, um, even if it's difficult, because the hardest thing, you know, everyone's asking for a cure, but the hardest thing to recognize is that the cure might actually be inside of you. The cure is very likely inside of you. It's just a matter of going in and facing it. And that is the hardest thing to do is really to, to, um, adjust your sexual relations, adjust your, the way that you relate to people. Um, I'm a big proponent, proponent of, uh, going in and understanding your own codependent patterns. Um, everyone could use codependency work. Um, and I think that, you know, it's, it's a sensitive topic for sure, but if, if we're going to do body healing, nothing's going to heal unless you start healing the mind with it and the way that you approach your body, um, your body boundaries are very important too. I think that, um, we have a lot to work on as a society in terms of where we find our bodies and their own boundaries, because we make, um, uh, we make boundaries with our minds all the time. You know, I don't, I don't like this person. I don't want to be near that person. I'm going to take my time away from here, this or that but we don't actually sit with our bodies and say, how do I feel about this from my body? What is my body saying about this touch? What is my body saying about whether or not I want to be in a room with this person? You know, and so we don't, I, that's part of what I teach is body boundary work because, you know, women come to me all the time. They want to immediately jump into this pelvic work. And I say, no, we have to sit down and talk about boundaries and consent because that's a big part of the pelvic floor. <laughs> it's a big part of why we might be disconnected. And, um, I have not met one person who hasn't had some sort of violation, uh, pelvically, vaginally. And, um, I think that it's for me becoming very clear that we have a collective trauma that really needs to be addressed. And if we start doing that individually, then we don't carry it on to future generations. And of course, endo has all kinds of causes, but, uh, trauma is definitely something that, if not, is a part of the cause. It's also um, a big part of ongoing cause of perpetuation. So, you know, we need to, my my big message is we really need to look at that and really need to um, understand that that's a big part of it. You know, we could talk about birth control all day. We can talk about, you know, laparoscopy all day, but if you're hating on your body because you feel like it's causing you pain and ruining your life, then that's a big part um, of, you know, your healing journey. Yeah, absolutely. So in relation to that, I, you know, I've, I've looked, had a look at all the different kinds of services you offer and stuff. And you do also treat, you know, chronic pelvic pain and painful sex and, and scar tissue. So sources of pain in the pelvic area do you treat those in the same way because you seem to have like a different pr approach for like endometriosis and you, you know trauma so is would you take the same approach for example with painful sex or with scar tissue because many of us with endometriosis do have this build-up of scar tissue yes yeah, so I I do scar tissue remediation in the pelvic floor um it's with that body boundary intact, you know, with the embodiment services too, it's all the same. It's all like, okay, let's get into the body. Let's see how we feel about this touch. But then when we're down there, we kind of explore whether or not there's pain. And when we find pain, we, you know, go into it and explore it 
in an emotional way, in a physical way. Um, and there's typically there's scar tissue, especially with endo patients, obviously, especially with people who've had surgery. I, I do work with postpartum women as well. Um, anyone who's had a tearing, um, we kind of will go in, we'll look at the scar tissue, kind of assess it, whether or not there are adhesions. Um, and then in that process, um, I use a lot of castor oil. I use certain, you know, techniques to massage the, the scar tissue out. So that's really helpful in a, on a physical level for, you know, fibrous adhesions, especially when we have all these surgeries too. That's, that's the other thing. There's a lot of surgeries going on and, you know, taking out endometrial tissues is great. I think that I don't have any problem with laparoscopy. Um, <clears throat> I think that uh, what happens is when we have too many, you know, uh, too many pieces into the abdomen that can cause a lot of scar tissue to proliferate up the pelvic floor, up the abdomen, it can actually start to hurt different parts of your body. Um, when scar tissue starts to pull, we have, um, you know, our bodies are organic water filled things. They're not structures. And when we hurt ourselves, they're not structures in the form of, you know, like a ladder, you know, something that's just, so when we hurt ourselves, um, no matter how we're holding ourselves in our lives, um, through like day to day lives, you know, if we're, if we're walking with like a bit of a tilt already, or if we're, if we already have some pain here or there, our, if we're holding ourselves in an, in a poor way throughout our lives, um, posturally, sometimes scar tissue will start to crawl up the pelvic floor and attach itself in ways that, you know, will continue to make us hold ourselves poorly or continue. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, you know, we're walking through our lives in these bad conditions and then scar tissue will just kind of attach itself in order to hold on, you know, because that's what the body's doing with scar tissue. It's really just trying to hold on, um, and, you know, keep everything from falling apart. And mm -hmm. that's what it's there. And then when we have all that chronic inflammation, it causes adhesions. It causes all the, uh, scar tissue to become fibrous and we end up with kind of like this glue and any kind of any kind of surgery is going to perpetuate that in a way. When we pierce the abdomen, when we do with laparoscopic surgery, sorry, I keep tripping over that word. It's okay. <laughs> Many of us do. Whenever we have that uh, piercing of the abdomen, um, that's also creating scar tissue. And so what I do is I, I work with the scar tissue on the abdomen with acupuncture as well. So we do... Um, we do work with the oils interpelvically, and then we do work with oil on the abdomen as well as with acupuncture needles surrounding the space in order to get that microcirculation back. Um, I also use acupuncture in the legs in order to get the circulation back down to the legs because when we have all the scar tissue cutting off our circulation in our abdomen, we can't really get it to go down. Right. So it's a, it's a process, but it, and it takes some time, but it really does open up a lot of blood flow and blocks that can be around the pelvic floor, which is what we're trying to escape with endo. So there are a few different ways that I work with scar tissue. So I wanted to revisit acupuncture. So I'm glad you brought it up because I, you know, you were saying about like the damp, uh, the diagnosis kind of groups, um, can we just dive in a little bit more into acupuncture so that I think some people can think it's a, I don't know, um, a vague concept or it, it's, they're like, how can that really help with endometriosis? Like how does, what's the kind of theory of how acupuncture works when you're putting the needles in? Like what, what are they supposed to do? Because I know that you have certain points that you put them into. Um, yeah. Can you just kind of give us a bit more, like a, an overview of how acupuncture works for people who haven't tried it yet for endo. Sure. Um, and acupuncture is becoming uh, very well known for endo, which is amazing. Mm, um, yeah. I've seen a, I've seen a lot of uh, articles recently about how acupuncture is great for endometriosis, which is true. Um, so it works on so many levels and there's so many different types of acupuncture. Um, I work a lot with channels uh, and connections, obviously trying to clear scars. Um, but 
for a lot of us who go to acupuncture school, we have a very specific trainings in one or two or three different types of acupuncture. However, there are so many types. Um, but a very typical type is uh, traditional Chinese medicine, which is uh, shortened to TCM. And that type is basically diagnosing from the idea that there are excesses and deficiencies in the body caused by external forces or internal forces. Um, so that's what I meant by the damp, the cold, um, and the blood. So those, that's basically, uh, they're looking at the body as though they're trying to get it back into balance. Um, so if you have something that's caused a lot, if you've taken a lot of food that's cold, the idea is that you're going to have a cold internal environment. If you, um, if something, there's a trauma, like you broke your leg and now you have all this pain around your knee, that's typically depending on the type of pain is seen as a blood stasis. Um, so there's different ways of diagnosing and then treating from TCM. Um, I do certain points that I do. I work a little bit differently than TCM. I use it sometimes, but it's, um, I do work around the idea that there are, uh, channels running up from the legs to the abdomen and, you know, from the face down to the hands. And it's all very, um, based on channel theory. Um, the idea is that there are points throughout your body that are running, and connecting to other different parts of your body. And there are points in there that are kind of like nerve bundles. And when those nerve bundles get caught up and full of, you know, something that's causing them to stagnate like blood or damp, then we kind of go in and clear those. And that, that can, that's a whole, uh, huge discussion too. Yeah. Um, but that's part of how I work and how a lot of acupuncturists work in clearing these blockages so that you can circulate your chi and your blood better. Chi meaning energy or oxygen. Um, so there are so many different ways to look at it. Um, a lot of acupuncturists will work with functional medicine and they're more uh, leaning towards the Western medical model. And a lot of them are working on an emotional trauma level. So Depending on the type of acupuncturist you see, you might get different results, whether or not your body is in need of a homeostasis balance, you know, with uh, herbs, herbal medicine and supplements, or maybe you're more in need of trauma release. And so you would see an acupuncturist who specializes in that. Um, so there are a few different ways that acupuncture can work. Um, but what on a basic level with pain, acupuncture is great with pain. Um, because of those, the clearing of those blockages. And also because if you want to talk about it in terms of Western terminology, um, acupuncture is really great when it comes to, um, you know, connecting the nervous system, connecting with the nervous system and, um, and the brain and allowing the brain to recognize, um, you know, when you put a needle in, uh, there's, uh, an influx of feel good, you know, and so it actually causes the brain to to send uh, signals down to that area. It causes the body to recognize, oh, this is an area that I need to pay attention to. This is an area I need to pull white blood cells into to heal. Um, oh, and so okay, I see. Yeah, so there's like two different ways of looking at it, um, but that's that's a really good way to explain it when, you know, if somebody's new to acupuncture to say like, look, we're just calling attention to a certain part of the body so that it can heal. And um, it gets more complicated than that, obviously, but <laughs> that's a really good way to, you know, to think about it. And um, it quells pain. It's really good for pain. And, you know, above everything else, it's, it's a great addition to getting into that mind-body balance. Yeah, I have I haven't tried it for um endo but I had it after my car accident and I found it really really helpful so I'm curious to try it for endo. I mean, I don't have that many issues of endometriosis now so uh I guess it would be more of a maintenance kind of thing. I do feel like I've got some energetic blocks that I would like to work on, but it yeah, I wouldn't I probably wouldn't be using it for the pain side of things. Yeah, there are different types for sure. Um for the energetic stuff, I I would suggest going to a five element practitioner particularly, and I know in the UK there are lots of five element practitioners, maybe more than traditional um TCM, but I I can't speak to that for certain, but that's what I've heard <laughs> being an acupuncturist and knowing that there are different around the world people um people utilize different 
types of acupuncture more than others. So it really kind of depends on where you live, but you can find a good one anywhere. I mean, it's, it's a really good, um, it's really good for anything. It's really just getting back into balance is really like the, uh, the idea. Yeah. And would you, when you're treating painful sex, for example, would you use acupuncture there or would you use, um, the sexology? like what sexological bodywork that's yeah. it sexological bodywork <laughs> I call it pelvic reintegration for so many reasons but um it, it's my training is in sexological bodywork right okay um, yeah so but yeah I would uh for painful sex I do see a lot of people for painful sex and for uh lack of libido and lack of orgasm as well okay um the thing is that all of these things are, none of these things exist by themselves. All of these things exist because of something that is out of balance or something that is not being paid enough attention to. And most of the time that can be adjusted with any of these uh, modalities, but certainly with the sexological body work. Um, so what we're doing is we're attempting to get the brain connected with the pelvic floor again. Um, because so many of us, I think I would say the majority, if not all of us, uh, men included, uh, have a disconnect from the pelvic floor because of the way we're raised in society. Um, we're raised to feel as though our vaginas, our vulvas, our penises, we're raised that to feel like these things are all very shameful. And when you, when you're raised in a society that tells you that, um, you're going to start sticking shame down there and anything that becomes shameful is put inside of your body in the form of shame. And where is shame going to sit in the place that we know shame to be? And so over time that can lead to, you know, a uh, lack of arousal. It can lead to painful sex. Um, I, I listened to your uh, interview with the owner of Una Lifestyle. Yeah. And as she was saying, um, it definitely when you have put yourself in a position over so many years where you're feeling uh, pain because you're not allowing your body to become aroused or because you're not allowing your body to be connected or because you're not allowing yourself to be connected to your body, then it starts to become... <clears throat> Um, almost a, a nervous system reflex to painful. And I think for a lot of women with endo, um, I love working in this way with a lot of endo women because I think it's so rewarding to watch them realize that they have body boundary issues. And it's so rewarding to watch them say, oh my God, I, I actually am feeling, you know, this answer coming from my body. And, and you know, I'm realizing that I do that I, I have problems with being touched there and that, you know, I'm having all these issues with, uh, you know, making decisions from my body. And I think that that going back, backtracking all the way to this body boundary business is really where we're going to find, um, the healing from painful sex in particular. Um, and of course we can also talk about it in terms of physical, because painful sex can come from the adhesions that happen with endo. Um, but a lot of the time, um, what we're failing to realize is that warm sex, um, intimacy is extremely important. And, um, when we have a place in our bodies, that's constantly ravaged by pain, there's no way that we can think that anyone touching it is going to be pleasurable. But there are ways to overcome that. And I think a lot of that has to do with recalibrating the nervous system and allowing the body to understand that touch doesn't have to be sexual or clinical. It can be therapeutic. It can be loving. It can be intimate. And so um, a lot of what I teach is starting from that basic level of saying, okay, let's go back to, you know, <laughs> how you feel about your own body. Let's go back to um, sitting with the answers that are coming from your body. When we put ourselves in that embodied state, when we're actually just laying there, feeling into whatever it is that we are experiencing in our body, what is coming up? What's coming up for you? Is it, um, you know, fear? Is it pain? Where's that pain? What does it look like? You know, there's so many ways to explore this and it, it's not an easy fix. You know, these aren't things that we can just 
you know, put a bandaid on. Um, once, once you start to, to do this work, you start to realize I've been relating to people poorly my entire life. I have been allowing people into my sexual space that were violating it. I have been, I've dealt with all these microaggressions and, and yeah, maybe this wasn't rape, but it really hurt me, you know, like maybe, um, maybe we can go in and try to explore why these things are causing all of this tension. And, and this is what ties into my, um, acupuncture too, is because I believe, um, this is a personal, um, belief that, um, any kind of, uh, any kind of external emotional force, any kind of um, any kind of trauma that comes at you, even if it's just like societal trauma, can settle in you as cold. And that's you know, it's kind of like a almost a metaphorical in a metaphorical sense. You know, like it, it it's cold, but it's something that freezes you, right? Like if you have um, traumas coming at you from you know, childhood when someone touched you in a way that made you really uncomfortable. And then you, as a teenager, you started to deal with endo, you started to have all this endo pain. That's, that's a trauma that has congealed and somewhere in your body where there's shame and to connect those two things and bring them to the surface. Once you start to realize these patterns, that realization process can be life-changing because when you start to say, oh, I had this thing that caused the onset of this other thing, and I'm starting to connect my pain to my, you know, my emotional pain to my physical pain, you start to actually cre- recreate these boundaries for your bodies, for your body, where your body can actually tell you, yes, I like this. No, I don't. And, you know, when we start to listen to our bodies like that, pain will start to ease and pain will start to um, morph into something that's more telling, more, um, more of a, an understanding that you have for yourself. And I think that it's a beautiful process. And I've seen a lot of people with endo just kind of, um, ease into their bodies finally and say, you know, look, I'm, I'm tired of fighting myself. I'm ready to work with myself. And I think it's really beautiful to watch. Yeah. I'm like wishing I was in America now so I could come and see. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm, of traveling soon because I am getting a lot of um, people asking if if I'm doing this work, um, you know, anywhere else or if I can recommend anyone. Um, and I don't know anyone who's doing it in particular because I've I've really just created yeah exactly that's mine and and I don't know if anyone's doing it anywhere else similarly. I would love to meet them if they are, um, but yeah, I'm. I'm thinking of, you know, taking this practice on the road just so I can like help other people. But <laughs> Okay. Well you need to let us know if you are and then I'll 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 share that because yeah, I'm sure lots of people listening will be interested. This show is supported by BU period patches, the hundred percent natural period patches that stick onto your abdomen. Um or back like a plaster and deliver menthol and eucalyptus oil to your muscles and reduces your cramps and your pain. You know, if you listen to this podcast, that lots of people with endometriosis are experiencing a hell of a lot of relief from using these. So I thought I'd share you um, another quote, another testimonial. I can't tell you how fantastic it is to find something like this when you have a chronic condition like endo and you just want 5% of your normal life back. Something like this can have a huge difference. I have a long flight coming up in a few days time and I'm so glad I found these in time. Thank you again. So that's a really good point. Like traveling with BU period patches, it's just so much easier. I think I told you guys that I was on my way to Cardiff. I think it was about a three hour trip. Um, in total because I lived in Margate at the time maybe even longer and my period came whilst I was on the train great timing so the only thing that I had access to was my BU period patches and they really really saved me and I used them for the rest of the trip and it yeah they just helped so much so um having them for travel they're light they're not going to be you're not going to be stopped for like by security for having like a weird looking tens machine in your bag 
I mean, they're super, super thin, so they're not going to take up much space in your bag. Um, I highly recommend them for traveling. If you would like to try them out, just use the link in my show notes. Um, they are $4.99 for a subscription, a monthly subscription, and $5.99 for just a one-off, uh, one-off order. Um, yeah, so let me know if you try them. Today's episode is also supported by Honor. Honor is the pleasure and sensuality brand which is helping people all over the world to explore eroticism and self-care through body connection. So many of us experience a very deep wound when it comes to our bodies, our physical bodies and our connection with our bodies. I hated my body for many, many reasons for many years and I don't think that's helped me when it comes to experiencing pleasure during sex and just expressing my sexuality. I think, you know, for, for me, sex is a, it's a really difficult area. This work is really important to me. And I think that I don't want to just, I don't want to partner with any brand who creates, you know, crystal sex toys that are like 200 pounds and promises to, you know, I don't know, whatever they promise. But the reason why I chose Honor is because Eleanor, the founder, gets it. Like she went through so many years of suffering and the kind of stories that the the experiences that she's had as a result of that pain and, you know, physical trauma, you know, she gets it and she's so passionate about it um, and about helping people to reconnect with pleasure and see their body as a source of pleasure and not just pain. So, yeah, I just think it's such an important brand and I think she's doing brilliant work. They create um, gemstone, pleasure toys and self-massage tools that you can use for yoni mapping, which is going to help you work out pleasure points and pain points. Um, It's going to help with yoni massage, which um, helps you to alleviate some of the tension and pain and also, of course, like self-care and self-pleasure. So if you are interested in trying out any of their products, you can use um, the discount code ENDO E-N-D-O, all capitals, um, for 10% off. They do ship worldwide and their packaging is super, super discreet. Um, It's also beautiful as well. Um, So, yeah, um, let me know if you try them. Following on from that uh, subject of, like, you know, painful sex, etc., um, so a while back you shared a post on Instagram about trauma and it was, you were kind of quoting a, a patient, I believe, who said that she would have remembered if she was raped, but something, there was some kind of memory there, but she doesn't, she didn't know what the memory was. And you were talking about a collective memory. There's like a societal kind of wound for women or or people who identify as women and there's also like a generational wound and we can be mem we can be remembering something um that's not our own memory uh or perhaps we're just picking up on that kind of energy and that really resonated with me because I, I mean I'm going to be specific just in case this helps anyone anyone else and but I I have this and this has been an ongoing issue for I god I, I can't even remember my first sexual encounters weren't really anything like I I kind of did it just to because it was peer pressure and because the person I was with kind of expected it but it, it wasn't particularly traumatic it just wasn't anything I just you know I just didn't really experience anything um but so I didn't have any thoughts or memories come up but once I went into a serious relationship where I was more engaged in sex, um, I started having, I can't even explain what they were, whether they were flashbacks or memories. It was like, um, there was this very specific one where sometimes if my partner's on top of me and their stubble is in my face, I suddenly feel very, very claustrophobic and like it's bringing back a memory that it's like it's triggering a memory, but I can't find the memory. Mm-hmm. And um, there are other things similar to that. Like some, sometimes for some reason, I have this feeling that I don't want to show um, that 
I'm enjoying myself or I'm, I'm not enjoying myself. And I want that to be evident because for some reason, and that, that's a memory that, that I remember that from somewhere, like wanting someone to stop and me not saying stop, but showing physically, like showing through my face that there wasn't, I wasn't enjoying it and I wanted it to stop, but not actually saying it. And I don't know. And I don't know where they've come from. And I've kind of directly and indirectly seeked help for this. I haven't really, um, I haven't gone into it too deeply, but I had something called rapid transformational therapy about, I don't know, 15 months ago. And um, I really resisted going going under hypnosis because it's a very, this kind of therapy is a very deep form of hypnosis and it brings up your free most the three biggest traumas that have shaped like the issues that you're dealing with. And I really resisted it because I was so fearful of what I might remember. That's how kind of deeply there's something in my mind that, that, yeah, that I don't know what it is, but, um, so I never went, I never actually fully went into hypnosis. Um, and we had to use a different technique and yeah. And this, this makes sex really difficult for me. So, but I have no memory and I, I've literally racked my brain of like, honest to God, I've actually gone through like in my head, in my family, like who might have done this or who did I know growing up who might have done this? And I've had like, I've had forms of sexual assault and abuse on a much smaller scale than rape. And I've been, you know, but I've never, but I've not, from from living memory I've not been raped so I'm where I don't know where this mem- this feeling has come from um so when you put that quote up I was like wow that that's me and is this is this a potential answer to what I've been struggling with uh yeah I have been having <clears throat> this uh conversation for years with women and even well before I became an acupuncturist, well before I started doing sexological body work. And it's been um, a very interesting thing to watch. And I think that I, I cannot say for sure. I think that a lot of the time we're co- we are tapping into collective memory of these things that have been going on for so, so many, so many eons, you know? And, and I think that um, as women, we're very intuitively connected. And I think that there's a potential to tap into the collective fear and memory um, that we've all experienced. And to some extent, the woo-woo part of me thinks that endometriosis is just one of those symptoms, because of course, I don't see it as a disease. I see it as a symptom. (laughs) I think it's potentially one of those symptoms of that collective memory coming to the surface and that collective suppression. However, um, there are instances where people are definitely um, have suppressed memories. Um, the brain works in a very interesting way when we're undergoing trauma. And I think that when we have something that's so shameful that we want to push away so hard, um, it is hard to go back and look at these things. And it is scary to, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. And it's a scary idea to, um, to go to therapy and to go to hypnosis and to really look at these things. I've done it myself. And I think that, you know, once, once we realize what's happening, um, it, it's not as scary, I think in the long run to, to dip in as people think that it is. And when I say dip in, I mean, really go into our memories, really go into what our body is trying to tell us. Um, because it, from that space, there can be a lot of really beautiful things happening. You know, light cannot exist without dark. And I think that when we have uh, these collective memories happening or these experiences that we feel um, we don't know where they've, they've come from, you know, often um, the, the best way to, to go about dealing with these things is to talk about them, uh, to talk about them with other women to have a safe space where we can feel them in our body. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I decided to do this work was because I saw the Me Too movement happening and I just got further and further down the rabbit hole of you know realizing that we're all dealing with these very similar experiences. And um, to actually 
the way, <clears throat> excuse me, the way that we can actually go into them is right there in front of us. And it's really all about being inside of the body. Um, we have these, this disconnect, meaning I think that the entire world is going through um, a serious disconnect of the body, meaning that we have no real um, education around listening to our bodies and therefore we end up with all of these diseases. Um, and then when we actually go in and we actually feel what's happening inside of our bodies, it's it's like being in a whole new world. It can really change your whole existence. And I think that these collective memories in particular can really be sorted in that way. And, you know, it can really be felt and whether or not it's individual or if it's something that's coming from outside of you going into your body, um, will start to give you the answers for sure. And, and yeah, it's scary. It can be very scary, but, um, I think that one of the beautiful things about this work is that when I see people actually go in and try to experience some of these things, they'll realize that, you know, when I'm sitting here faced with these memories or I'm sitting here faced with this trauma that I don't want to look at, um, I realize that if I look through the shame and if I sit with it long enough, I realize that it doesn't have to be there and the fear doesn't have to be there either. And, um, you know, realizing that we have messages that our bodies are there to give us, um, I think is one of the most beautiful uh, outcomes of this work. And you know, as far as collective memory goes, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to look into those those feelings and those memories. I think um, you might find some beauty in there. So, would you, for people who, um, and actually, this is this is quite a good way to kind of wrap up and begin closing. For people who aren't near you, um, how would you? Firstly, how? How would you suggest that they begin looking into something like collective memory, like of trauma? Um, because I mean, I would imagine that doing it, trying to kind of go inwards on your own with something like that, might be challenging. Um, is there, if they didn't have access to you, is there kind of a form of therapy that you would suggest exploring, or do you think that would be down to each individual to? to choose? Well, I would say that there are so many resources out there. There's so many people working, um, in these spaces. I think EMDR sounds like something that could be, I've not done it myself. Yes. I've heard so much about this. Yeah. I know a lot of people who've done it and are really excited about it. Um, so EMDR is one, um, hypnosis perhaps I've done, I've done hypnosis before. Um, I think anyone who does any kind of trauma embodiment coaching, would probably be a really good resource. Um, I think that if you were to just start, because we cannot start by looking back, right? We can't start by looking at what happened. We can't start by um, living in the past. What we have to do is start by being present with ourselves. So the one thing that I always tell people to start with is the beginning of healing is really beginning with relating to your body. And so if you can just slow down and sit and feel everything that's going on in your body at that very moment, just be with that sensation without judgment. That's the beginning of actually listening to what's happening within you. And I think that once you start to do that and relate to your body as though it's, it's something that has, um, that has, a uh, a message for you, whether or not it's intuitive, you know, like if I, if I sit here and close my eyes and I feel into my left ring finger, what is there? And just being with it, what is there? And once you start that process of acknowledgement, then, you know, all these memories, all of these feelings, they'll start to fall in line and you can have, you know, a system to look at something to, to understand. Um, and you're not just in your mind, you can start to become in your body. Um, and it, it also, it really helps with relating. Um, I think starting with, you know, looking up any kind of, um, relational trauma that you might have in your family history, um, looking into codependency, looking into, uh, you know, 
healthier relating skills. I think that that's a really good first step to this work too, and to this whole collective trauma issue. Um, and just starting to, to look at your patterns of relating and do I relate to people? Do I seek people out who act this way towards me or how do I find myself in work situations? I mean, these are very, um, they seem very broad and unrelated to this whole collective trauma, but it really, they really, that's really the beginning of the path. Um, and then, you know, seeking somebody out who really has a, a good handle on trauma therapy is a really great resource always. Brilliant. Thank you. And finally, to to close, if people are near you, where can they like find you on Instagram and your website and um, in terms of location? And, and if we're not, um, do you have any recommendations for what to look for when you're looking for um, an acupuncturist or, um, someone who might be working with massage, etc. Is there anything that we should be aware of? Um, because there's so many practitioners out there. Yeah. Okay. So first, um, how to find me on sacral spaces, S-A-C-R-A-L underscore spaces. Um, and I write a lot about these things, as you know, um, I'm also going to be creating some online courses in the future. Oh, I was hoping you'd do that. Yay. Yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm working on it. It's just me, you know. So sometimes yeah, it's like, no, I'm, I'm oh, the same. I completely right. understand. Um, but yeah, for, for right now, I'm, I'm coming up with some ways to do some online courses. Um, I will be doing um, two body work, I'm sorry, body work, two body boundary workshops in uh southern california this year one in june and one in october and to to teach people how to start becoming aware of that body boundary and i am doing a painful sex workshop too uh in may in san diego um for people specifically with endo and and their partners and i am doing what else am I doing? I'm doing all kinds, all kinds of things in the periphery, but I, I would really like to, I'm going to start offering courses and or online consults very soon because I'm starting to realize that this is something that needs more of a, an outreach. Um, so that's me. And then to find other people, I think that if you're dealing with something that you think is trauma related, seek out a five element practitioner of acupuncture. Um, there are several in the UK that I'm sure are lovely. I don't know them specific. I don't know anyone specifically, but I know that the UK is big into five element. Um, that's one. And then if you are dealing with things that um, if you want to step more into the physiological, I would suggest a, a functional medicine practitioner certified or uh, somebody who is maybe a naturopath that could help you uh, start coaching you in that direction of wellness. Um, if what well, let's see, um, EMDR, of course, is a great resource. Um, I think. What was the rest of it? If you want to find anyone who is, um, who's doing, yeah, just a similar work to you, really. You know, if if we can't access you, what's yeah. the next best thing? <laughs> sexological body workers are fabulous. I have to say, um, I know a lot of sexological body workers more um, internationally than I do. Um, in the States because okay. it's more accepted in Europe, to be honest. Um, anyone who's doing, anyone who is trauma informed and doing, if you're going to go get a yoni massage and you aren't knowing that you're having some trauma, I would say find somebody who's trauma informed. Sexological body workers are trauma informed. Um, there are people. What, what does tra trauma informed mean? Uh, basically it means that they know how to reground you if trauma comes up. So right. if, okay. if trauma arises, they know how to help you become more embodied and more focused inside of your body and to, to kind of steer you back into your body. And so that is uh, trauma informed as far as sexological body work goes. Um, there are, if anyone would like to contact me, I can get you uh, a resource for a good sexological body worker in your area. Um, many of them work on different, you know, I've taken mine towards uh, more of a medical uh, route, but there are many who do work in, you know, uh, helping people through fetishes, helping people with uh, their core eroticism, 
Um, and so it, it really depends on the person and what their, you know, whether or not you jive with them and what their route is, because, you know, there's so many ways you can take sexological body work, just like acupuncture. Um, but I'm always free to give some references, of course, because or referrals, because I do know a lot who are doing really great things for people. So, um, and if there is a sexological body work, um, I think there is online a, I don't remember, I apologize. I don't remember the website, but there is a website that will show you or tell you, um, who is in your area and doing sexological body work. So that's great. If you can just send me the link afterwards, I'll put that in the show notes. I will. I will. Perfect. Well, yeah, Maggie, thank you so much for coming on. It's been such, yeah, it's so interesting to have you on. And I feel like no one is really doing the work that you're doing. And as soon as I read, yeah, read your bio, I was like, wow, this is different and really needed. And um, yeah, I want to thank you again for kind of voicing this, I don't know what it is, this inner fear of many, this collective memory issue. And we're talking about the link between trauma and endometriosis and uh, I think we're it, it's just an area that society seems to be very scared of exploring at the moment so thank you for doing your work and for being on the show and sharing it all with us thank you for having me you're very welcome have a lovely week and yeah I'll speak to you soon thank you talk to you soon bye bye so that's it thank you so much for listening if you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world. 